Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses here at Hope City. And then also, um, we are broadcasting back to Virginia this week. So two churches, 10 campuses, 27 services, thousands of people. So can you help me welcome my church, LifePoint Church, back in Virginia. We love you. So thankful for everything that God is doing. I want to read one verse to you. And then we're going to work on that for our time together. The length of the verse is not indicative of the length of the message. Funny, you're in my head. All right. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Bible says this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. One translation says this, fill your horn with oil and move on. Somebody shout, move on. Move on. So I was uh, into running for a while. I'm still kind of into it, but my joints aren't into it as much anymore. Hello, somebody. Um, I was into running for a while, so I was reading this article about running. Some of you are thinking right now you need more things to do with your time. If you're reading about running, and I was reading about the 4x100 relay, and everybody knows what the 4x100 relay is, yes? Yes? Is, okay, is this how we're going to go? Is this how we're going to do? You're going to halfway talk to me? Um, but the 4x100 relay, so you have a baton, right? The first person runs um, roughly 100 meters. Some run a little bit more, some run a little bit less. It's not equally 100. And then they hand off the baton. Then to the next person, they hand off the baton, hand off the right. And so I was reading about this, and I thought it was fascinating because there's a 20-meter um, section of the race of each handoff that is the critical moment in the race. Matter of fact, in the race, it's in this 20 meters that the race is either won or lost. Um, gold medalists are made in this moment or they're not made in this moment. Either you're on the platform at the end or you're not. And it's called the changeover box. It's the moment where one runner is coming in with the baton at full speed and the other runner can begin to accelerate so that there is a handoff, but not a slowing down in momentum of the race. Are you following me? And it's called the changeover box. I was thinking about this in our life, how life is like this, that often it's not that we have problems living out the seasons that God puts us in, but I think we often get stuck in the changeover of the seasons or the transition of the seasons. You know, God is a God of seasons. Amen. Um, and you know this just by nature, even if you're here and you're like, ah, I'm not sure about God and all that. Well, just look at nature. God is a God of seasons. You have fall, you have winter, you have spring, and then you have, you have summer. Olaf's favorite, right? Maybe not in Texas. We have all four in Virginia right? Because God's a God of seasons. Um, the Bible says that as long as time remains, there will be seed time and then harvest because God is a God of seasons. You, I grew up in East Tennessee where the men are men and so are the women and just keeping it real. You just tried to find a wife that didn't dip skull. Like that's what I, that's where I, that's where I grew up, came out of. Um, and so but, but in that time, I worked in the tobacco fields, and here's what I know about working in, in the, on the farm is this, is that um, you didn't expect a harvest when you had not planted, because you understood the seasons. See, sometimes I think we live life out of seasons. We're expecting a harvest when we have not yet planted. We're in planting season, and we're frustrated that there is no harvest, but not in the planting season. Are y'all following me? So God is a God of seasons, and we move through seasons in life. Um, you go from a baby, you go from crawling to... 
walking and then from walking to running, right? Are y'all following me? And, and you know, you go through seasons in school, right? You go through elementary school and then you go to middle school or, or you go to high school and then maybe you go to college or maybe you go to a career, but there's different seasons after that. You go into a career, now you gotta pay for all those student loans. Hello, somebody that you took out in college, right? Um, and so you, you move life in seasons. And here's what I think is that we often don't have a problem living in the season. The relationship is going awesome. We're in a season of, of companionship and, and of connection, but it's when the relationship ended and we didn't transition in the changeover box to the next season so well. And so we can find ourselves having life feel like a merry-go-round where we continue to see the same cycle things in our life. The names may change and the faces may change, but the core issues remain the same because we are stuck back in some season. Some of us could be stuck 10 years ago to something that happened in us. We have physically moved on, but we have not mentally moved on from that moment and we get stuck in the changeover. We drop the baton when it's time to move on. When God is saying, no, I've got something greater for you than what you have right now, I need you to let go of that and take hold of what I have for you, but we get stuck in the changeover. I think about in the Bible, the nation of Israel, right? I mean, this is a glaring example of this reality. God has pulled them out, just to give you a, can I go a little Bible nerd on you for a moment? Are y'all with me? Um, God's uh, nation of Israel has been in slavery for 400 years. The Bible says that God said, I heard the cry of my people and I'm concerned about them. I love that verse because it means that whenever God hears my cry, he's concerned about me and begins to move on my behalf. But it said he moved on a half. So what did he do? He sent Moses in, right? Moses is going to lead them out. And then the 10 plagues, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. That whole thing. This is the Cliff Notes version of the Bible story. Um, so that whole thing happened and, and he got them out of, and he's taking them out. And then what happens? They find themselves um, with Pharaoh's army bearing down on them. And then Moses does the whole part the Red Sea thing and they dropped, walked across on dry land. Then he drowns them and then they're on their side and they're having a praise party and they're worshiping. But then they find themselves in the desert and God does what? He says, pick 12 men and I want you to send them to spy out the land. And so 12 go in. And this is the saddest verse to me in all the Bible. It says that 10 came back and they spread a bad report and it spread throughout the whole land. Listen to this. 10 million people potentially were stopped from their destiny because of the voices of 10 people, 10 men. And so for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness waiting for a generation to die off so that the generation of faith that believed God, Joshua and Caleb, could take their promised land and fulfill the destiny that God had for their parents, but their parents missed it because they were unwilling to believe God at his word and transition into the next season. I would hate for you to spend your life wandering around in the proverbial wilderness because you did not believe God at his word and moved into the next season of your life. They came back and said this, the people are huge. The produce is amazing. We can never take it. How crazy. What they should have come back and said is God has provided an amazing land for us. We can't wait to move in. But they were stuck. And here's what I know is that some of us get stuck. We get stuck because we can't move on from the bitterness of the person that walked out on our life. And we get stuck because they said that 
we'd be a part of the company for the long haul and that we were one of those long-term people, that we were part of the family and then all of a sudden downsizing and they cut us at a moment's notice and we can't, we get stuck and and we get stuck because of our own insecurities and we get stuck because of our own fears and we're, God's trying to move us out of one season into a new season of our life, but we get stuck because we fumble, we fumble the baton, we fumble the transition, the changeover of the moment. And I just want you to know that that's not the, the design of God for your life. And I would just say that if you're visiting, that is not the belief of this church, that we believe that God is for you and that he's not against you, that he is moving you. The Bible says from victory to victory, from glory to glory, that he's moving you to greater things, that, that there needs to be a Joshua and a Caleb spirit in you that goes, no, that is our land, that is our destiny. We will take everything that God has for us. We will take hold of the promise of God for us in our life. We're not going to stay stuck in the wilderness. You know what is interesting geographically about the wilderness is this, is that they most likely pass the same place several times over those 40 years. Just passing the same thing. Bitterness again. Unforgiveness again. Regret again. Shame again. Guilt again. And we just keep wandering around the same things over and over and over and over and over. And that is not God's destiny for your life. It's not his plan for your life. Some of you are wondering, why did we read about Samuel? What did that one verse have to do with anything he's saying? Well, Samuel is in a moment of transition. He is in the changeover box in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. He's in the changeover box because God is telling him to let go of one thing and take hold of a new thing. Now, let me back up a little bit, all right? We're going to reverse. There were these things a long time ago called tapes. And if you hit play and reverse at the same time, that was the sound it made. So if you're wondering, that's what that was. Amen. So back in chapter, back in chapter 15, here's what's happening in the text is this, is that there was Samuel, he was the prophet, the priest of God, and then there was Saul, he was the king. Here's what you need to know about Old Testament, is that in the Old Testament, God always had a king and God always had a priest. God didn't always want the nation of Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king, but they said, we want to be like all the other nations, so give us a king, so God gave them Saul. And Saul was evidently, he was a good looking man. He was a battle tested man. He was a warrior, all those kind of things. But God always had a king and he always had a prophet. The king was to take care of the protection of the people. The prophet was to be the voice of God to the people. So the king would often inquire of the prophet to say, tell me what is God wanting for the nation at this moment? So that was Samuel's role. Y'all with me? Say amen. All right. And Saul's role was to be king, protect them, battle, all those kind of stuff, economics, social, all those kind of things. He was supposed to take care of that. And so Samuel goes to Saul and says, hey, Saul, there is a nation that continues to antagonize Israel. This is in chapter 15, continues to antagonize Israel. And here's what I want you to do is you need to go confront them in battle. And he gave him some very specific instructions of what to do in the battle. How many of you know that whenever God gives you specific instructions, he wants you to follow them specifically? Can I get an amen? All right. So he tells them to do that. So Samuel goes out. And, and Saul goes away to battle and Samuel goes back to his house and come to find out Saul didn't completely or fully or wholly obey God. And so God comes to Samuel and says, Samuel, here's what I need you to do. I've rejected Saul as king and I need you to go fire him. How would you like to have that job? (laughs) 
And the reason that he was rejecting him is because Saul did not wholly or fully obey God. Can I tell you something? That you'll get stuck in the transition moments of life whenever you're unwilling to fully obey God. See, we, we often want, let me say it this way, we want full blessing on partial obedience. Oh, come on now. We, we want God to send the blessing, right? We want that. To, I know breakthrough is coming. Yes, Jesus. We were all about that, but then, but then God says, hey, I want you to serve the needs of others, so go out on serve day. Hey, I want you to find out your purpose and get on the team, so go to growth track. And we're like, I don't know if I want to do all that, Jesus. I just want breakthrough, right? I just want blessing. I just want goodness. I just want you to come. But here's the deal. You don't get full blessing on partial obedience. See, often we look at God and go, God, how about this? How about we go fitty-fitty? Like, I'll go fitty-fitty with you, God. I don't know if I'm going all in with you. I don't know if I want to be all in. I don't know if I want to, like, I don't know if I want to be all, like, like, you want me to be generous with my resources and my time, and you want me to get in, get in a connect group. I don't, I don't know if I want to do all that, God. I just want to come, get the, the Holy Spirit goosebumps whenever they play in this, this team. Unbelievable. I just want the goosebumps and I want everything to go smooth in my life. And then kind of like an app, whenever I'm in trouble, I want to pull you out and let you do it. And God's like, no, I don't, I don't play that way. I'm God. I'm awesome. I'm creator over everything. I'm the alpha and omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am a wonderful counselor. I'm a prince of peace. I'm the, I don't, I don't do halvesies. Saul wanted to do halvesies with God but still have the blessing of God. See, a lot of times we'll be in situations and we'll be stuck and feel like, God, why aren't you getting me out of this? And it's not, it's not God. It's that we haven't followed what he's already told us to follow. See, I think a lot of times many of us are, are educated way beyond the level of our obedience. Give me another message, pastor. Give me another Bible study. Give me another podcast. Give me another. And I think God is like, why don't you just start doing what you already know? And maybe if you start doing what you already know, then I would reveal some things to you that you really want to know. Hello, somebody. But, but Saul wanted full blessing off of partial obedience. And the Bible says this. This is why I have so much respect for Samuel. The Bible says this, that one, in chapter 15, you'll have to go back and read it sometime. It says that once Samuel got that word from the Lord, that he had to go tell him God had rejected Saul as king. Listen to me. God had rejected Saul in his position, not in his person. I want to make that clear. God never rejects you in your person, but he could reject the position he's put you in because you're not following him accordingly. Are you with me? And here's what Samuel did. The Bible says this, that he wept all night. He wept all night. You ever met people that almost look happy to give you bad news? You know what I'm talking about? They like come up, they're like bouncing, like, hey, you're fired. Like, I don't know, whatever it is, like they're almost happy. Like you don't need those kind of people in your life. Are you following me? 
You need people in your life that will give you the hard news, but they've wept through the night before they bring it. That, that their heart is crushed because of it. That they're not celebrating in you making bad decisions and bad choices. This is why you do need to be in a connect group. You need some people around you that'll go, hey, that's not the best choice. We love you. We're for you. We got your own. This was Samuel. Samuel was like, oh, I wanted Saul to be so much more. I believe that he could be so much more, but he didn't live up to the potential of God in his life. You need people in your life that will go, I see the potential of God in you and you're not living up to you, but I'm here to help you live up to everything that God wants you to be. So it said he wept through the night. He wept through the night. However, he still went to Saul. He still went to Saul. Can I tell you something? That often, I would say almost always, in moments of changeover in your life, it's hard. It's hard. I would, I would love to bring a message to you that, that it's just easy, that, that to move from one level to another level, that, that every stage of growth that we've gone through as a church has been wonderful. It's been awesome. Just every time, every time someone was like, it's too big, I'm leaving now. That was just, it just made me feel like butterflies inside. I wish, I wish I could just tell you that everything in life is like that. And, and every time someone walks away from you, that it's just, it's easy. But can I tell you, it's hard. Samuel was weeping. I wonder if you've ever been in a moment where you feel stuck and you've wept and you've shed tears that nobody else has seen. And you even wonder if God has seen because what you are walking through is hard can tell you the changeover in life. Those moments of moving from one season to another season are hard because this season is comfortable. I know this. I'm familiar with it. But God is calling you to something new. To move you towards your destiny. So Samuel goes to him. And here's what I learned from Samuel in this moment is this. Is that often to make progress, you have to do it while you are still in process. That if you wait till you understand it all, you'll never take the step of faith. If you wait till it all seems clear and, and you can see every little turn in the path and you'll never, you'll never, you'll never take the step. This is why the Bible says the word is a lamp into my feet. I don't know if you've ever been out in the woods with only a lamp, but a lamp will only illuminate about two or three steps. The Bible never said that I'm a spotlight or I'm, I light up the sky. It says it's a lamp unto my feet. It's going to show me the next few steps. And sometimes that is hard to go, I don't know where this is leading. This is uncomfortable. This is scary. This makes me nervous. This puts me outside of me being in control. But can I tell you that if you avoid the hard thing, you will always avoid the next dimension of your destiny. See, I, I, don't, I don't know. I got to be honest. Like, I think God loves it all. And this is just my personal opinion. And I'm just kind of inserting my opinion into what I think God thinks. You know how we do that. I think God thinks. Um, I'm just kind of in. But here's the deal. I don't know that, that God necessarily is as impressed when we can come into an environment like this and sing and our hands raised and we're worshiping and everything is going wonderful in our life. Like the bills are paid. Kids are good, got accepted to the college I want to go to. I'm dating somebody and they have a job and they don't live in their parents' basement. Everything is moving in my direction. Hallelujah. 
But there's something about whenever you're in the middle of a transition and it's hard and you've wept through the night, but you can still walk in where you see no breakthrough in your future and go, I know that breakthrough is coming by faith. I'm going to see a miracle whenever you've wept through the night, whenever your spouse isn't with you in church, but you continue to declare by faith, God is going to move on my behalf. God is going to bring that breakthrough when your kid is far from God, but you continue to pray, continue to believe in the hard times. Can we worship in the difficult moments? Can we worship whenever we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Can we go? God is good and God is for me and God is on my side and a miracle is on the way for me. See, I believe, I believe this. I believe that for some of you that you're making the transition tonight, that this is going to be your moment of changeover. That finally you're going to get tired of being tired. That you're going to be willing to do the hard thing. You're going to be willing to make the step that God is calling you to take. Samuel was, he he did the hard thing. It's unbelievable. So he goes to King Saul. And King Saul knows he hasn't done the right thing because before Samuel even gets to him, he runs out and he's like, hey, look what I did, look what I did. If you're a parent, you know that. You're like, you're guilty. <laughs> they come up to you and like, hey, mom and dad, how are you? You're like, what'd you do? Did you hit your sister? Did you break something? Did you spill something on the carpet? Like, what did you do? You with me? This is what Saul does. He comes to him and Samuel goes, um, Saul, God's rejected you as king. God's rejected you as king. And Saul goes, no, let me have another chance. Let me, and he goes, no, God's rejected you as king. He basically was like, I'd have wished more for you. And Saul said, well, come worship with me one more time. And so they go worship one more time. And then they part ways. And they each go to their hometown. And the Bible says they don't ever see each other again. They never see each other again. And then we get to chapter 16, verse 1. Now I can begin the message. It's like nervous laughter. Like, is he serious? Doesn't he know us? We get, we, we get done on time here. We get to chapter 16, and God says this. God says, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn Saul, whom I've rejected? So here's what that tells me, a couple of things. One, that Samuel was physically no longer around Saul, but emotionally he was still at that place. You know what that means is that you can have physically moved on from something, but emotionally still be stuck. Some of you are stuck in middle school. Because of something someone said to you that you have not been able to let go. You have physically moved on, but that has followed you everywhere you go. And everything you do, the house you bought, the car you buy, the job you got, all of that, the clothes you wear, trying to prove some middle school boy that you are enough and that you do have enough and you are successful. You're still, you are physically far removed from it, but you are emotionally still back there. Some of you are still living back at the moment of the divorce, even though you are 10 years away from it. Because you can be physically removed from an event, but still emotionally stuck back at that same place. He says, how long are you going to mourn for him? 
He said, I've rejected him. Here's my question for you. Why will you keep spinning your wheels trying to resurrect something that God has rejected? God's saying to you, I've moved on from that season. Come on, listen. God is saying, I have moved on from that season. I am no longer there. Why are you still living in that place? Why are you still living around? Why are you still trying to resurrect that dream that I've let go of and rejected a long time ago? I've got something great for you in your future. I've got something great for you in the next season. Why don't you let go of that? How long are you going to mourn it? And here's why I think we mourn it is because we think we can fix it. Well, I could fix it if I could just fix it. And, and so we won't let go of us. Some of us on a greater level than others because we're fixer people. And if I could just fix it and make it, I can make this work and I can fix it. And so I'll do it. I'll pull myself up by my booster. I'll make this happen. God's saying, Why, how long are you going to keep spinning your wheels in that? Samuel, how long are you going to mourn that? I've moved on. I've moved on. It's time for you to move on. I've moved on, Samuel. And I believe this is the word of the Lord for some of you. God is saying, I've moved on from that season. I'm asking you to move on too. Now, time out. Don't go home tonight and look at your spouse and be like. You heard the man of God say. time to move on. It's time to move on. And then he says to him this, he says, so get your horn, get the oil and move on. So the horn, y'all still with me? So the horn in the old Testament and the oil, the oil represented the anointing of God. But what the prophet would do is he would pour the oil in the horn. And whenever he was anointing another prophet or he was anointing another king, he would pour it on their head. And some scholars say that it would drip down like off their beard onto the very edge of their garment. So it would completely cover them, this oil. And that's what would set them apart. And in that moment, they believed the Holy Spirit would come and rest and that's, that was the anointed man. And then God would speak through that person into the lives of the people. And they did that for the prophet and they did that for the king. And so what God was telling him is I've already got somebody at Jesse's house and I want you to go anoint him. So get your horn, get your oil and I want you to move on. See, I think one of the, one of the last reasons that we stay stuck is because often the new season we see looks like a downgrade from the season we're in. So early on in the days of our church, our church is 14 years old. We turned 15 next year. And, but in the early days, I, I didn't know anything about church planning. Um, I didn't have, I didn't know ARC didn't exist. They did exist, but I didn't know about it. Um, I didn't know how to be a senior pastor. It's the one thing I said I would never do. Um, my dad was a senior pastor and I was like, they're mean to those people. Mean to them. We grew up in little rural churches in East Tennessee. So anyways, I was like, that's the one thing I'm going to stay away from, not going to do. I'll be an executive pastor. I'll be a hitman for the pastor. Like any of those jobs I'll take. Like Peter's my favorite character in the Bible, right? Like he's a little bit hood and a little bit saved and he carries a knife. Like I want you on my team, Peter. Just to cut somebody's ear off. He's a little ghetto. Little, I like Peter. He's my favorite. Favorite disciple. So anyways, 
But I was like, I didn't know anything about it. And so what I did know, though, is I didn't know anything. And how many of you know when you don't know anything, that's an advantage because at least you can go learn somewhere, right? And so I was like, I got to go learn from everybody that I can possibly learn from. And so we were going to this conference in Atlanta. And um, it, I live in Virginia. That's about a nine or 10 hour drive down to Atlanta. And something you got to know about me is I hate being in the car. So to get in and drive this conference with, in a van, I was like, Jesus, you know that I'm, I need you in this moment. Um, because I hate being in a car. About hour six, I just get angry. Not really with anything, just that I'm still in a vehicle, still on the road. Are y'all following me? And so, um, so we go down to this conference and, uh, and we get checked into the hotel. Now we were trying to be good stewards and we were flat broke. All right. So we stayed in this hotel. I don't even know the name of it. I don't even think it was a hotel. I think it's probably a motel, but I'm not convinced that you could leave the M on it. I think it was a hotel. Are y'all with me? Like it was, it was low. And so, um, so we, we were staying in this hotel and all the team got there and my assistant was with us and, um, and the, the, the beds, you know how, like, did you ever have the grandmother that left the plastic on it underneath the sheets? These beds had that. And my assistant was like, it's okay, pastor. I'll wrap up in a blanket and lay on top of the comforter. So I looked at our operations guy. I was like, maybe we should get a different hotel. And so we started calling around because the conference is town, not many hotels. We started calling around and we were like, um, I think we found the La Quinta, La Quinta, Quinta Inn. Y'all follow me? And we all pulled up and we were like, hello, ballin' La Quinta upgrade. You know what I'm saying? Somebody call for Somebody call Beyonce. I got an upgrade right here. La Quinta. It's an old song. Come on. Y'all follow me? We were like, this is amazing. We went from like plastic on the sheets. I can't confirm or deny that you could pay by the hour there. I don't know. I just know there was an ABC store across the street and a 7-Eleven. Hello, everything you need in life, right? Anyways, and so that's where we were staying. We moved up to the La Quinta and I was like, hello, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. We moved into the La Quinta, right? I was taking the La Quinta, you know. Some of you are like, that's low. Well, how about this? How about if you went from La Quinta to Ritz? Hello, I love me some Ritz. I got a TV behind the mirror in my bathroom. I don't even know why I need it, but I love it. I'm saying I got a phone in the toilet. Who am I calling in there? Nobody, but I like having it in there. If I want to order room service, I can right there. But how many of you know that it's no fun when it looks like you're going from an upgrade to a downgrade? And sometimes I think we get stuck in the transition moments of life. Because it looks like through our natural eyes that we are being downgraded by God. Saul was a mighty warrior. He was a king. He was the man. David was a teenager watching sheep. So much so that whenever Saul, whenever Samuel went to the house, Jesse was like, here are all my sons. Saul's like, no, this isn't any of them. He goes, do you have any more? He's like, oh yeah, I do have one more. Like his own dad forgot about him and said, no, he's about there watching sheep. So then they brought him in and Samuel said, no, this is the guy. He went from Saul, the warrior to David, the teenager. And here's the deal. Even after he anointed David as the teenager, you know what he did? He didn't move into the palace. He didn't jump up on the thing and be like, I'm the king now. No, he went back to watching sheep. And it was years before he ever assumed the throne. 
Can I tell you something? It is hard to make the transition when it looks like we are going from an upgrade to a downgrade. When it is a downgrade to an upgrade and we're like, thank you, God, I got a bigger house. Thank you, God, I got a promotion. God is good. But what about whenever through the natural eyes, it looks like God is taking you from an upgrade to a downgrade. Will you still step into your destiny and not get stuck in the transition? Because here's what I want to tell you is although through the natural eyes, it looked like David was a downgrade, David would become the greatest warrior that Israel ever knew. David would become the greatest king that Israel ever knew. And through the line of David would come a man named Jesus who would hang on a cross, who would resurrect from the dead to save your sins and to save my sins. Here's what I want you to know, that with God, it's never a downgrade. He's moving me from victory to victory. He's moving me from glory to glory. Somebody shout, he's upgrading me. Come on, shout, he's upgrading me. Here's the deal. Some of you, here's what you need to do. Stay right where you are. Here's what you need to do. The anointing of God breaks every yoke. The anointing of God, when someone is anointed, it signifies a new beginning. Isaiah said, look, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Some of you are desperate for a new thing in your life. And here's what God is saying to you. Grab your horn, fill it with oil, and it's time to move on. It's time to move on. This is the moment. It's not another day. It's not another season. It's not living another six months dealing with the same things that you're dealing with right now, but you need to grab your horn. You need to fill it with oil, the oil of the anointing of God, that those of us who have accepted Christ, the anointed one lives, the spirit resides on the inside of you. You have the anointing to break every bondage, to destroy every yoke, to set apart everything, to get out of every rut, every area where you feel stuck in your life. And God is saying, get your horn, get your oil and move on. Move on from the unforgiveness. Move on from the bitterness. Move on from the disappointment. Move on from the guilt. Move on from the shame. Sure, you wished it had turned out different. Sure, you wished Saul would have succeeded. Sure, you wished it had went a different way. Sure, you wished the story had went, but it didn't. And it's time to move on. So get your horn. Get your oil. I've got a new season for you. I've got something greater for you. But in my eyes, it looks like I'm stepping backwards. We'll stop looking through the eyes of the flesh and look through the eyes of the spirit and see that our God does not move you down. He is always moving you up to the destiny that he has for you. Do you receive the word?